Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us, we have the Sorcerer Supreme in CBS. Hello. I do spells and stuff. We also have the Scientist Supreme with Rob. Yeah, we, we didn't totally just make that up to make Hank Pym feel good. It's a thing. It actually, it happened. It's a, it's a thing. And if Curtis had been here, we'd have the Burrito Supreme. Unfortunately, he was unable to attend. Oh, it would have been delicious. Sorcerer, Scientist, Burrito. Perfect. It's an unstoppable combination. <laughs> oh, try to order that next time you go to Taco Bell drive through Fantastic. I think you can order a Burrito Supreme. We, the doctor, the scientist, Rob. Oh. You know the difference, mister. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, <laughs> well, the Top 5 Comics podcast, uh, like the announcer guy said. Uh, see, today we're doing episode number 85? Oh, yeah. Pretty sure that's right. So today's episode we're going to be doing uh, the uh, Unworthy Thor number one from Marvel Comics. Big Trouble in Little China meets Escape to New York. Number one, Vigilante Southland, also number one from DC Comics, Fool Killer, number one from uh, the illustrious Marvel Comics, and then Superman number 10 from D- DC Comics. It's got a one in it. Yeah, all right. Going the same place there with that. All right, that's what I like. Okay, so let's so do a little bit of comic news there, Rob. Sure, yeah. Um, with, with Ross. And the dog pile. Well, there's no dog pile to no. As soon as school's done, I mean, the dude's busy. With, with missing Ross and the dog pile. Missing Ross and the dog pile. <laughs> yeah, you stop. God damn it. <laughs> hey, I like that sound effect, okay? <laughs> uh, maybe he's the only one, but I like it. It was a dog pile. It, it was. That's what, exactly what was happening in that audio clip. Yeah. Like, actually. Anyway, uh, there's enough about that nonsense. Uh, so, uh, a little bit of comic news. This we had Doctor Strange released this weekend. Yes. There's no guess because that happened. Um, Which is amazing. It's a great film. You know, if you, if, whenever you're listening to this, you haven't already seen it, do it. Because it's totally worth it. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. It is fantastic. Yeah. There's a little bit more news, I guess, with the, uh, in the TV slash movie world. Yeah. Um, I, I guess before that, though, we should do the sad news first. Oh, it's the yeah, it's sad uh, news. Uh, unfortunately, a a legend in the comic book world, a, a pretty pretty renowned artist in Steve Dillon, did pass away. Um, and it's it's sad. He was he was fifty three or something. Fifty four. Fifty four. Um, and he you know he's most notably done for the art in Preacher. Right, which just got turned into a TV show. Yeah. Has one season under the way, or already done, and is getting ready to move on to the second season. Yeah. Uh, but he worked on a bunch of other stuff, too. I mean, he did stuff for 2000 AD. He did uh, Punisher, uh, Judge Dredd, yeah. which is a 2000 AD book, so there's the connection there. Um, 
but yeah, the guy, he did a lot of different stuff. And as far as, like, iconic characters, it's him and Garth Ennis who made all the stuff for for Preacher. And all those characters were designed by him and scripted by Garth. So, as far as a major thing, Preacher is a, is a major series. I mean, it was a pretty big deal when it was coming out. And the fact now it's turned into a show just adds to that popularity. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I mean, if you listen to the show, you've heard us talk about Steve Dillon before, and I'll give you the man's Electra I'm not, I'm not a fan of. No. But it doesn't change the fact that dude's a badass. And it doesn't change the fact that he was a great guy. Um, three kids. Uh, he's, dude did a lot of stuff. I, I have a Steve Dillon sketch from a con from like 13 years ago with the Punisher, when he was doing the, that Punisher run, okay. also with Garth Ennis. And the dude was the nicest guy in the world. Granted, like I said, maybe his is not the best thing. But I always liked his Punisher. Yeah. And the stuff he did for Preacher is fantastic. If you haven't read Preacher, you really probably should. I mean, it's not for everyone because it is, it is what it is. But as far as, like, a, a book that's renowned, that was one of them. It run he's won at least one Eisner and a couple other awards. But, yeah, uh, uh, his appendix burst, is that what it was? Yeah. yeah so, unfortunately... Uh, before his time kind of thing. I mean, yeah. as, as far as anything. I guess it's kind of a, a freak thing, you know, uh, appendicitis is, is bad news, and unfortunately right. it, it cost him. Right. Uh, which he's, he was actually planning on being at a Comic-Con that following weekend, and it sent out a tweet where he was doing, was, he was going to sign copies of Preacher, um, and all the copies, whatever money came from the signing of the copies, was being donated to charity. So, like, even towards the end, the guy was trying to do stuff for other people. So it's, well, I mean, you the, know, that's a crazy thing. Yeah, appendix can come on. Out of nowhere, yeah. Yeah, so fast. So. So, so yeah, um, there's a loss of the community in general. Yeah, it really is. Whether, whether you like him or not. Like, yeah. Decent guy. And, and I mean, you know, I... There's, for for every person who didn't like an art style or, or a book that didn't work, there's there's other books that did. Right. You know? Maybe it just didn't fit the tone of that story. But regardless, you know, it, it is a sad loss for the for the art community, and for the comic community as a whole. Right. So. Okay. Well, that's that's enough of the sad stuff, Rob. Yeah. Let's let's do let's do fun things. Fun things. Okay, so, man, fun things. Um, uh, there's, so there's talk of... Man, I'm going to write to Rob Layfield. That's going to make people happy. Um, so Evangeline, if you're a Rob Layfield fan, which, surprisingly enough, I am. <sighs> Guilty pleasure. Um, there's talk of Evangeline being moved over to Paramount for, for a film. Now, granted, it's, from what we understand, it's in talks. So does that mean anything? Eh, I guess we'll see. But uh, I'd be super pumped if that got made a new movie because I, I love that character. I thought she's awesome. Probably because she wore fishnets and had a sword. Which is badass. Um, the cast from Big Hero 6, so our voice actors, uh, apparently are going to be joining back together to make another another Big Hero 6. So I guess we'll see what that winds up being. Was it a film or an animated series? I, I'm not sure which one it is. Like They talked about recasting everybody, but I'm not clear of whether it was a movie or a show. So I'm not really sure what they're doing. 
the talks were mostly about, oh, we're so happy we got the voice actors to come back, which makes sense, but as far as what it was, I do not remember that. And I don't remember if it was clear. It might have been, but I just don't remember. So there's that, I guess. So that's a fail. I guess if you want to know more, Google it, people. Come on. Google it unless the Mandela Effect changes it. In theory, it's still going to be a thing. Yeah, it'll be the same thing, yeah. By then, this would have changed anyway, so it won't matter. It's possible. Well, that's unless, how, that's how it's supposed the, to work. The thing that got left behind. Oh, true, unless this is the part that got left behind. Like my bank account number that has a 2 in the middle now, that never... That has a 3 in the middle now that has always been a 2. Yeah, weird. It's a giant string of numbers, and I give you, I don't remember it. Uh, normally, but the number in the middle changed. Guarantee it did. And now you know one more thing that you shouldn't know, probably. That there's a three in our bank account number. Good for you. It's one of many numbers. It's a pro- yes. Let's, let's not go any further into that. That's no, enough yeah. of that, nonsense. Okay, so, there's that. Uh, there, there was something else. Um, I remembered it before you started talking about the Mandela effect. Sorry. See? Erase it from your brain. Maybe. No? Maybe? It's possible, yeah. Man, what was it? I feel like there's a thing in there. Okay, so... Okay, I I remember now. So apparently Atari, you know, consoles from the 70s and 80s, are going to be trying to launch a couple shows, I guess? Um, The first one they were talking about is like a reality... called Game On. It's like a reality gaming show, I guess. So it sounds like something that's been done before to me, but I can't be sure about that. I don't... They didn't really say what the other one was in the article I read. It was mostly about the... the game on thing. So... But the, I guess they're planning to try to build a couple of structure shows of some of the old games. Which could be cool. I mean... I guess it depends on what they pick. So that could be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we did hear that the... Um, scriptwriter for Sandman... That's great. Uh, was it the scriptwriter or the director? I thought it was the director... Had, had stuck uh, screenwriter. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay, so screenwriter for the Sandman film has stepped away. Apparently, well, he cited for his reason for leaving as he felt it was more suited for a TV show than a movie. But either direction, that puts another hold in the whole Sandman thing being a movie. So I guess we'll see what that does. If it, as far as the rest of it is concerned, maybe it would be a better show, but... I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Like that's a, that's just another like bump in the road for Sandman getting turned into a movie. Yeah. Uh, along with that, with Iron Fist, there was the announcement of uh, Calling Wing being in the show, and they they mentioned the actress's name, and I'm, I'm going to have to think about it for just a second. But um, along with that, they basically said that she and Misty Knight mm-hmm. will be meeting together as the Daughters of the Dragon in the Defenders. So it's kind of a little bit of extra confirmation that the Defenders is going to happen. It's Jessica Hinnick is the actress. Okay. That's going to play uh, Colleen. I, pro- I probably would have never remembered that, actually. That's right. I, I had it for a That's second. why there's two of us. There you go. That's right. That way if one forgets something, the other one might remember. There you go. By yeah. might, I mean slight possibility. Sometimes. But yeah, as far as confirmation for the for the Defenders, I mean, we all sort of thought that's where they were going. And there, I guess there's a couple other articles that said something about it, and maybe part of a trailer. But at this point, we know that's what's happening with at least that character. So I guess she's going to make her debut in Iron Fist, and then from Iron Fist into Defenders, which it sounds like 
casting-wise, the only people that really haven't had any talk about being put in the Defenders has been the Punisher and Elektra. But now the Punisher has his own shows, so it's possible that he might show up there too, I guess. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if the Punisher was a part of the Defenders. I don't think he'd be part of the. I don't think he'd be part of the team, but like connected to it as a cameo, maybe. Maybe because like everybody else, character-wise, has been listed as somebody appearing in it. So, but I guess it makes sense for the main characters, Daredevil and Luke Cage and Iron Fist. That makes sense. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see Ghost Rider show up over there, but so far we haven't seen any of the Shield guys in the Netflix stuff. Right, and they're yeah. all in the same world. We hear. Even if it was, it'd be the Robbie Reyes version, so oh, yeah, it wouldn't be. Finally. Wouldn't be quite the same. I'm, I'm okay with that. All right. Well, Rob's okay, so I guess that makes it all right. Yeah. yeah. All, all you Johnny fans, whatever. <laughs> Take that motorcycle. I was a Danny fan, anyways, and we're never gonna get Danny. Uh, Catch kind of showed up as a little boy in a movie. Yeah. It wasn't a good movie. Well, it was another one of the, the Cage movies. Yeah. Well, you know. Good times, good times. He does what he can. I, you know, I'm really surprised. Huh? He didn't make a cameo in Luke Cage. Hmm. I'm really surprised. Well, I don't actually know who owns the rights to the Ghost Rider movies. I don't think those no, are Marvel. I, mean, I just. Oh, Nick Nicholas Cage. Cage yeah. As that his name is Per. Luke yeah, yeah, Cage. he loves Luke Cage. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if. Uh, they I wonder may if have, he tried. They may have barred him. Uh, from it, but I'd, I'd imagine if if Nick Cage calls you, right, that you go, yeah, no, that's fine, you can be in here, right. But counting it up, that's a good question. I wonder what, yeah, a good question because his real name is for Coppola. Yeah, yeah. So the Cage comes from Luke Cage. Maybe he thought eh, it's not going to do that good. I'll just let it pass. I find that unlikely. You think he'd want to get it on? Regardless? Yeah, I, I, regardless, I would have thought so. Yeah, but that's a really good question. I wonder why that didn't happen. Somebody over there failed at Netflix. Maybe he was busy. Doing what, Rob? I don't know. Nick Cage does stuff. Being a vampire? Being a vampire. Yeah. All right. Avoiding the sunlight. That's what we were trying to get to, the vampire part. Uh, perfect. Oh, man. <laughs> I was, that was a genuine question for me. Oh, oh okay, well. But vampire. It's a good question. <laughs> That's what he's busy doing, Rob. Uh, Anytime he's busy, vampire stuff. Okay. God, it's the easiest answer. Ah, oh, man. All right, that's enough of that nonsense. Uh, so no more shenanigans. Let's move on to books, Rob. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Want to move on to some books? Sure. All right, let's go and start with the uh, the unworthy Thor. Yes. This is uh, written by our, our good buddy, Jason Aaron. Oliver Quipel with the art, who's fantastic also. Um, this is issue one. For those of you who aren't aware, Unworthy Thor comes from a place is out of the mini, out of the uh, the event original sin. Uh, so I don't know. Is it wrong to get back history on that? Is that stuff that people should know? They mention it in here, right? There's a there's a part of it that's important because Thor well, seems to yeah. not know something that we know as a fan. Well, if you guess, well, when we hit it in the book, we'll go over it. Um, so we open up, and it's basically Thor viewing his own life as things are happening. Uh, he talks about what his days used to be like and what his days are like now. I guess I do need to mention the first part, because there's no way it doesn't... It's in the write-up at the front. All right. And if you didn't read Original Sin, well, I guess this is going to spoil it yeah, for you. Or you haven't done anything with Thor in the last, I don't know, year, year and a half. Two years, maybe. Something like that, yeah. Okay, so Thor, during Original Sin, which I think we actually talked about this on a show. Yeah, probably. Probably. Because I liked Original Sin. Right. So Original Sin... 
during one of the battles, Nick Fury whispers something to old school Nick Fury, like white, dying old Nick Fury, whispers something to Thor that apparently cursed the hammer or cursed Asgardians or but, but whatever it was, it was such a it was a secret that right. made Thor feel he was unworthy of the hammer. And apparently, everybody in Asgard, because no one could pick up the hammer. Thor couldn't pick it up. Odin couldn't pick it up. Sif couldn't pick it up. None of the Warriors Three could pick it up. We had to go all the way to a weird human person to make it get picked up because nobody else to try could. Hmm. So whatever was done, I didn't know Odin couldn't. Well, yeah, uh, Odin tried to pick it up whenever he first came back because he came back to find Thor sitting on the planet with everyone watching him and like, what are you, you what are you being a sissy for, Thor? And he comes over to pick it up like nothing and can't pick it up either. Hmm. So none of them can move it. And that's when they talked about, this is, this is when we were trying to figure out who she was still, before the secret was revealed who the girl Thor is. Okay. So they went through a whole property people it could have been in order to show us who it wasn't. Yeah. Well, I know the enchantment was changed afterwards, which is when... when well, it changed on the hammer, the scripture did. Yeah. But as far as the rest of it's concerned, it's still going to be picked up by Odin, huh. which, is, yeah, crazy. which is crazy. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, so where we're at now is Thor comparing his old life with the hammer to his new life. And in his new life, he no longer goes by just Thor, he goes by Odin's son. Because we have a Thor. Ultimately, nothing's changed about him except he can't throw the lightning, he can't use the powers the hammer gave him. So, he's he's not the same. Yeah, his, his strength is diminished, he can't fly. Right. Um, he's, he's not quite as B.A. as Thor Normally, I think his confidence is a part of his problem too. Actually, it might be. But the whole like beginning of the story is basically him out fighting this group of crazy, I don't know, troll-looking things. Not even trolls. I'm not even yeah. sure what these things are supposed to be. And because uh, they're definitely not trolls, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of them with different different head styles. These guys with horns, guys without horns, dudes that look like Abe Sapien. So like, who these dudes are, no idea. But there's a lot of them, and he talks about how every day it's like this. Like he fights, he fights, he fights, and he. All he wants to do is get close enough to touch it. And he gives us, they let us see what it is, which I don't want to give you, because I want you to read the book, because it's really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to step past that, um, which will make telling the rest of the story hard, I guess. So that's what I get. But as far as the comparisons, it's really pretty cool, because he talks about how, oh, when he, what he used to do every day was go out and race the galaxy and fly past stars with his cape catching on fire and use the hammer to go from one side of the galaxy to the other side of the galaxy, and that was his normal thing. Like, he just went out into space and raced things, which, if you read about Thor stuff in the 90s, yeah, that's how he found Battery Bill in the first place. So, like, setup for that's really cool. Um, but then we get a flashback from there, uh, to where we see Thor uh, being contacted about a problem up on the moon, because there's been a bunch of satellites destroyed. And some of them have been graffitied, and others of them have been scat on. Is that the right way to say that? Probably. Yeah. Defiled. No? That's yeah. worse. Either way, the last image that was taken from a, a photo of one of the uh, satellites before it was destroyed was that of an axe, like a battle axe. And so Thor decides now that he's not running around with the Avengers because he doesn't feel like he deserves to be, that he'll go take it upon himself to see what this is because it's, it's trolls that have decided to nest on the moon. Um, and he goes up there. The only way he can get there, though, is now by using the... Uh, the, the One of the two battle goats. The battle goats. Yeah, Grinder um, and Nasher. Right. And so he goes up there, and it, he finds this giant crater, and he decides, well, that's got to be where they're at. And uh, he tells 
I think it's Grinder that's with him. He tells him, anything that comes out of the hole that isn't me, eat it. And then Thor basically jumps down with his axe jawbone, and he goes wandering into the cave to find a whole herd of battle trolls hanging out. And uh, at first, a few of them are pretty frightened, and a couple of the other ones are like, well, where's your hammer? And then he basically starts fighting them. And during the fight, eventually we run into uh, Olek. Mm-hmm. And Olek's like one of the few name-style trolls. And Olek's aware of him not having the hammer. And that turns the fight pretty hardcore. Um, eventually he gets help from one of the one of the goats. Um, and then, uh, you know, battle ensues. Uh, eventually Thor chases him out. Um, so we get past that. And there's a point where he, uh, as, as the trolls are escaping... He uh, attempts to throw Jawbone at the ship. The it's like a it's like a boat, like a space boat is what it is. It's a boat, like like a boat like you saw on the water boat, but for space. Anyway, he flings at him, and Olek looks back at him, and he's like, "That was a really good throw if you were trying to hit stars, because it totally misses, and that would be never been a problem with the hammer before." So this is more of making Thor feel like a sissy. Then we go over some more of the time when he tried to pick it up and how that all went. And then eventually, as he's sitting on the moon, he's visited by this other cloaked figure. They are very good to not show us who it is. Like, they keep him completely mysterious. So there's there's a pretty good idea, if you read Original Sin, who this is. But, uh... It's another catch at the end of... It's another catch for the end of that. Yeah, it'll be something, something for you to read. Right. <laughs> Which, yeah, if, if, good point. If you if you know who it is, you know who it is, because the signs are all there. Yeah, they, they don't want to show it. They don't no, want to tell you. they don't want to tell you who it is. But he basically tells Thor that uh, there's another hammer. And sends him on a mission. And I got we got to stop there. Because there's a couple, there's another crazy reveal at the end. There's a crazy reveal in the middle. Uh, where this thing has come from is uh, another thing that's a hidden secret. There's one thing I think we can we can say without spoiling anything. Which okay. is, um, if you've been reading Thor for a while, you, you would know that Asgard was destroyed. It, Ragnarok happened. Right. And, you know, Thor actually remade a chunk of Asgard, originally on Earth. Right. Flint above Kansas, yeah. like back in the, the early 2000. Uh, and eventually, when Odin was brought back into the picture, he, he and, well, I guess it was before he came back, but, um, it, it was the Earth Mother, I guess, uh, for right. his mom. For his mom. Had remade an Asgard. So there's old Asgard, and then there's current or new Asgard. Yeah, and it, they weren't necessarily in the same place, which I always thought they were, but I guess, I guess not. And so, he's, this mission he's sent on is to go back to old Asgard. Old Asgard yeah. which there's not supposed to be anything there anymore, it's just supposed to be barren. Right. Just ruins. Yeah, and so uh, that's where some of this the takes next, place. The next step of the story takes place. Yeah. Uh, so, so when they're talking about old Asgard, that's what that's what they mean is is where where it originally was before before Ragnarok, Ragnarok happened. Yeah. Which that leads back to a set of stories when J. Michael Straczynski was still writing. Mm-hmm. So, like for Thor, yeah, those were great too. Man, yeah, they were. The whole floating about Kansas thing was crazy. Honestly, like from him returning. Thor was so much more interesting. Now, I'll, I'll I'll say like I I am like a lot of fans I guess that didn't follow Thor before. Right. I didn't even know that Ragnarok happened. 
Because, you know, I, I was not paying attention to Thor. I, sure. You know, his verilies and thous and this and that, I couldn't care less about. But after that, when Michael Straczynski took over, Thor became so much more interesting. And I, I really started really getting into Thor's history. And honestly, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't see because I thought I knew Thor that I, I was totally wrong about. Sure. <clears throat> but, um... Yeah, the re- returning of them, I mean, for the time that the Asgardians were dead, there just wasn't any of them around at all. Yeah. And the revival stuff, that's where we get the female Loki, which he was a chick for a while, in case you didn't know that. Another spoiler, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. He's better now. Well, or he's a guy now. Maybe not better. Well, uh, he's kind of ambiguous now, I guess, because yeah. he sort of flips back and forth sometimes, you know? Yeah. Which always was a, a thing. Like, people want to make more of that than it is, but he's, he's a shapeshifter. He's always been... That's a true. But when he's returned initially, it's because he comes from a female body. Yeah. So, it, it doesn't matter. It's a different story. It has nothing to do with our current situation. Score for the book, Rob. I'm going to go first because I was talking about it first. Okay. Um, I give it a four. For for his kickoff of a miniseries, it has a lot of things I like in it. The art's great. The story's interesting. I, I like the shadowy figure. I like the reveal at the end. I like the reveal in the middle. I like all of it. It's freaking great. Mm-hmm. So, four. Rob, go. Uh, I give it a 4.5, actually. I This is like, this is what I've been waiting for, for a Thor story. Ever since they put Jane Foster Thor in, I mean, we, we knew that they were going to put Thor back. Thor was eventually going to rescind. And I this is just a great way to do it. It feels very organic, and it really is kind of mysterious, and I'm, I'm excited to see this happen. I, it's not just a, oh, okay, Thor's going to get his shield back. You know, he's going to get his, his winged headdress back. It's cool. It really feels like he's earning it this time. You know, so I, I, I'm I'm very impressed with it. I think this is going to be a great story. You know, not that he didn't earn it before, but I mean... Some, sometimes when these changebacks happen, it's like, oh, we made a mistake. Let's right. get this. Let's get this fixed clean, now. Clean the table. Yeah, yeah. And this doesn't feel like that. This right. feels like this feels like a plan rather than a. Oh man, we got to fix this. Right. Well, and and Jason Aaron was writing this stuff before too. I mean, he wrote Thor: God of Thunder, which I know we talked about on the show at least once or twice. Yeah. Um, he's been writing the Jane Foster Thor stuff, so the dude's been doing Thor for a minute now, yeah. and so maybe this was always always intended. It's hard to save because there's a bunch of stuff that had to shift in order for this to be a story. So, but yeah, as far as it being like a repair or a band-aid, I don't think that's what it is either. No, I don't think so. I think it's a, it's a cool way to spin what is happening in the universe. Yeah. So, whether that's true or not, don't know, but that's awesome. But, I mean, honestly, if, if you have not been reading Thor at all, this is a perfect story to get into if, yeah. if you want the Odin son Thor. Right. Um, if, you, if you haven't been reading the Jane Foster Thor stuff, I, honestly, All New, All Different has got a great issue that's out right now. I think it's 12 that just features her. Great spot to get in to know who she is and see if you want to start the regular Thor series. Or the yeah, Mighty Thor series. Right now it's Mighty Thor for her, yeah. Yeah, yeah six part, it's a six-part series, this one is. But, uh, yeah, it's it's started off awesome, so... Like everything I want in the Thor story so far, great. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to another book, Rob. All right, so let's do Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York. I don't see why not. Huh? Sounds fantastic. 
This is written by Greg Peck, with art by Daniel Dalis. Um, and actually, it, it begins right as we're well, I guess maybe a little bit after the end of Big Trouble in Little China. He's listening to this country and western singer in the Port Trap Express, and he's doing his his CB monologue, talking about um, the singer is Blind Apple Make Marks, and how great this person is, and you know was a real big part of uh, country and western history, and kind of just doing his thing. And as as we go. Um, we realize that the ghost of David Lopin is riding with him. And as he's doing his whole Pork Trop Express kind of talking, like we hear Lopin's mindset, and it's basically like just cursing that he's been killed by such a fool as uh, Jack Burton. As Jack Burton. And that like he can't move, he can't move on. And so his ghost is going to, like, continue to haunt Jack Burton to try to, like, bring him down. It's going from, like, his, his old man form to the god kind of form. Right. Headdress, no headdress. But um, as this whole thing starts happening, Porkchop Express is flying down the highway. All of a sudden, the giant portal opens in the sky. And Jack and the truck drive through, and they basically land in Mad Max Hell. <laughs> I, he's... he's now being chased by all these cars with crazy guns hanging out the top, shooting at him, and he's just freaking out, like, what the hell? And he looks out the window and he sees uh, Wong, who's driving this makeshift mail van, mail truck, with a grid on the front of it. And Wong starts yelling at him, Oh, Snake, come follow me, follow me. And Jack's, of course, like, whatever, you know, why are you calling me Snake? But whatever, you know, I mean, it's, it's Wong, his friend. So he follows along. And uh, manages to kind of accidentally swerve his truck just right so that a whole bunch of these guys wind up flying off the side of a, a detached bridge and plummet to their death. <laughs> uh, which then opens up to like the gang leaders coming out and Jack getting out of his vehicle and them recognizing him as Snake Pliskin and freaking out and taking off. We find out pretty quickly that this is not Wong, it's actually another guy. But he has Jack come with him anyways, and he still thinks that like Jack Burton is, is Snake. Right. Well, the Wong, or the other Wong, looks just like Wong. So, case mistaken identity or just different reality, I'm going to go with both. Because that's what he looks like. <laughs> Uh, pretty closely, or pretty quickly after that point, we actually catch up with Snake, who happens to be at this kind of dive bar, and just so happens that he's listening to the same music on this little countertop radio, and uh, they get this CB back from the gang leader, who's like, oh, Snake Plissken took out our guys, let's go to war, and the guys in the bar realize that Snake is there in the bar with them. And so as they, like, try to draw their guns on him, Snake, uh, Snake takes care of him. And it leads Snake to decide he's got to go f find out who's, uh, who's posing as him. And so as we get together, we kind of find out that, uh, this version of Wong is one of the last state employees that's watching over some of the, uh, 
I think it was like a museum of uh, U.S. history. And he's taking his job really seriously, so even though the country is really falling apart, like he's still there watching over these things. And he needed Snake's help. And so he kind of like shows Jack Burton around the place, and Jack eventually like tells him, like, oh, you know, I wasn't the Snake guy. I just, you know, agreed with it. And so he learns a little bit about who Snake Plissken is. And not too long after that, Snake shows up. And so we have, you know, this kind of moment with Snake Plissken and Jack Burton meeting each other for the first time. And we kind of find out from Wong that he wanted Snake's help to save a certain artifact. And he didn't know how to get a hold of him, and so he used these relics that were left behind in the American History Vault that were magic to summon Snake Plissken. In doing so, he accidentally pulled Jack Burton from this other reality here. Hence the portal that yeah. sucked in Jack and the Pork Chop Express. And basically they have to make a decision to uh, to help out Wong here and kind of put their differences aside. So, actually, really, really well done book, I think. Um, I'm going to go ahead and leave the end for that and who they're supposed to be going after and kind of how they react to each other. For you to read, um, this is also a six-part, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, I guess for me, as a rating of the book, I, I'd give it a I'd give it a four. It was a solid read. I love the artwork for it. Uh, I think the storyline's great. This kind of story could be done really cheesy, and I think they did a pretty darn good job of it. I like the way that they use both of these characters. And I think... I think the way that they've dealt with it so far has been really good. I have no idea how we're going to fix it, but... I assume magic will be involved. Yeah, I, I would assume as well. <laughs> but I, I love that it's still... Like, they, they got Jack just right. Because it's really easy to, to make him be just a goofy coward. Right. Instead of, you know, this this overconfident guy that kind of, like, lucks through things. Right. Um, and I think they, I think they did a great job of that. So he, he still feels like the same guy who had no idea what was going on, but caught the knife in the midair and threw it back. You know? Right. So all the reflexes, Rob. All <laughs> the reflexes. All the reflexes. I mean, I follow you and give it a four. Also, like uh, the art is fantastic. Um, the concept alone is awesome. Just really cool idea. I mean, that's like an eighties. I want to say wet dream, which seems like maybe it's inappropriate. I guess it depends who's listening. It's 80s awesome, man. Like, everything the Expendables got right, this is like that. It's just awesome. Like, as far as the second issue, uh, the second issue's got two different covers, and one of those covers is, uh, well, the first one had, like, three or four covers that connected and connected in a cool way. But, like, the second issue's got two different covers, and one of them's a Ramos cover, and it looks awesome. The interiors are really good, too. But as far as, like, style of story, yeah, man. It could easily be a terrible, just terrible thing. But so far, it's awesome. So, yeah, I give it a 4, too. Like, whatever. Yeah, it's good. If you if you like either of those movies, then you should read it. If you haven't watched either Escape from New York or Big Trouble in Little China, you should probably fix that. You can skip the L.A. movie. 
Yeah. He's a little different kind of thing. But, you know, New York, Big Trouble, good stuff. Yeah, they're amazing. Heck yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on from uh, Depart the 80s, and we'll move to the Southland, Rob. Yeah. Like the 80s is a place. <laughs> Do you want to tell me your story about vigilantes? Or sure. vigilante one particular? So, um, once again, this is a character that has handed kind of a legacy, but this is the first time that we've seen him in the New 52 and in Rebirth. Right. So, so as far as characters, it's hard to... You know, it's actually... I don't, I don't remember them ever saying whether there was a vigilante before this one or not. I don't think we've seen him in New 52. I don't think so. So, I guess this could be the current reality's only version of him? I, I think it's the first time they've... They huh. used I didn't think about that because, like, yeah, we, there's no reference to the cowboy one, and then the guy in the middle with the ski goggles. There's no reference to him either. Huh? Interesting. I guess I didn't notice that. Yeah. Sorry, that's something I just now figured out. <laughs> that's all good. And once again, this is also actually a miniseries. So it, it's a six part as well, I believe. Yes, it is. So yes, it is. so we're full of six parts tonight. <laughs> um, this is actually written by Gary Phillips. With art by Elena Casagrande. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we actually we begin it with a little bit of foreshadowing. So we're just gonna we're gonna jump past that. Uh, but we're introduced to some of our our main characters here. Uh, we got a this kind of African American basketball player who's just kind of out on the courts tearing it up. And he eventually gets a uh, a call on his phone that he just kind of ignores or whatever, so he can continue to play basketball. Yeah, plays it off. Doesn't doesn't bother with it. Yeah, uh, it kind of sets that it's that it's in a like a Malibu or a California type area because we see palm trees in the background and stuff. And, I mean, he's just uh, he's just he's kind of just a baller, you know. He uh, his name is Donnie. I know they gave his last name in here, but I don't remember it for now. So All right. come back to that later. But um, we find out pretty quickly that while Donnie's out here playing ball, the lady that was contacting him was trying to get him to come to this rally where they're protesting at the college about some kind of uh, a program that's going on in their area. And we might get a little bit of foreshadowing that, that you know, the, the water is tasting funky out by the, uh, the courts and stuff. But, you know, he's, he's too busy with his own life to really worry about what's going on with the girlfriend. And, you know, as we're introduced to the girlfriend, we kind of find out that she's more the important character. As she's sneaking around in the vigilante suit, getting into the uh, admin office, and kind of finding all sorts of, uh, some information that we don't really know what it is yet. We don't know why she's getting into it, or what, what it is she's trying to find. But we, we further build that Danny's kind of, uh, or, I'm sorry. Donnie. Donnie's kind of a... Kind of, kind of useless guy, actually. Because after he blew her out to play basketball, he goes to the weed shop and goes home and just smokes it up. Right. And she comes in and she's basically, like, talking to him about not being there for her at the, uh, at the rallies. And he's like, what? You know, like, whatever, yeah. that's not my thing, right? And so kind of the next day he's talking to one of his buddies. Uh, he's like a janitor, actually, at... At the college. Right. About how she was mad at him for not being, you know, all Martin Luther King or... That's that. Uh, or Spike Lee and stuff. Spike Lee, yeah. You know? 
uh, and as we as we kind of have that conversation, she's starting to head into work, and she's riding her bike. And we actually kind of have this whole lead up where uh, we see her get basically hit and run, and that really makes. It really makes our main character here, Donnie, have to figure out his life. Right. And figure it out pretty quick. Because now, you know, everything's real. Like, she wound, up, she wound up dying, and he's having to deal with her death. But as we get to know his character, we start finding out that he has a lot more ties that maybe we didn't know before. Right. We actually wind up finding, uh, finding him reaching out to his dad as the case seems to go nowhere about what happened to the girlfriend... I think the dad is like a pretty heavy hitter in the like underworld, right? And that was a reason that he didn't like lean on him before. But as he starts having him look into what happened to the girlfriend, he starts finding around the house things that make him think that she had more stuff going on than she was letting on. The things in her house, yeah, like things that that she had collected or. Like this, like the files and stuff that she'd gone and stole from the admin office. Yeah. So like things that that he didn't know was there because he wasn't paying attention. And one of the things that he finds ultimately is the vigilante suit. Right. Uh, and basically, he starts kind of he starts very slowly learning to be maybe who the vigilante is going to be. Right. Like as he works his way through the underworld to find out what she knew, he's starting to become the man that she. Probably wanted him to be right. Um, we don't want to really go too much further into what's going on because there is like a huge catch at the end of this, right? Um, well, it's all a lot of secrets and stuff, so too, yeah, yeah. But it, it plays score out, for the book, Rob. It plays out really well. Um, I give it, I give it a three. Honestly, um, I actually really liked the old vigilante. I mean, yes, he's he was a Punisher ripoff. Sure. Um, but I thought he was done really well in the old DC universe, and so this this version of him, I was I was excited, but I was also kind of apprehensive. Yeah, I was pretty nervous about what they were going to do with the story, and actually, it is done very well. It has moments where it kind of feels uh, like a kind of like black exploitation film, kind of. Right. <laughs> at least some of the lines. Sure. But it doesn't it doesn't feel quite as like in your face. This is what it is. But it is definitely like a black culture kind of right. book. Um But I, I don't know, I've enjoyed where they're going with it. It's a pretty good mystery so far. For a six part, I think it's gonna actually wind up being great. I mean if it was an ongoing series I I guess I'd be more worried about it. Sure. But I don't know, I, it, it actually it caught me up, and I really was interested in, in these characters by the time I was done with it. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, I guess I follow suit, too. I mean, I, I give it three and a, three and a quarter, because I, I like what they're doing. I like the way it's colored. I like the way the art looks in it. Yeah, the art work for it is actually really Yeah, good. it fits really well with what they're doing. Yeah. So I like all that. I like the idea that... He's got to have the change of of who he is in order to become what this book needs him to be, I guess. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think that concept's really cool. I'm not really married to old school vigilante. I mean, I read some of that stuff, but not a lot. I mean, I didn't really ever read any of the cowboy stuff. Um, so, 
Yeah, I, I guess I'm more the modern. Yeah. Just the ski goggles. Ski goggles, yeah. <laughs> so, as far as that, I don't really have, like, a placeholder for him that way. I mean, yeah, I know who he is and read some stuff with him in it, but it wasn't anything I was really married to. But I dig this so far, so I'm interested to see what it winds up being. Like you said, if it was an ongoing, I don't, I'm not sure if I feel the same way, but the setup for it so far is pretty good. And if this launches him to the next step, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like you said, he's kind of a Punisher, but not quite the same. Yeah. Well, this version of him is setting him up to be something else. Right. Like, he actually has a few more gadgets than than he had it really as the original. Well, it's a different starting place for him, too. Yeah. I mean, he's not starting from... He's starting from stuff already being there and being able to access that and move forward. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it, it's a cool place to start, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, three and a quarter. But, Gene, that's change for you, Rob. Change. <laughs> no? Not any... Okay, it's true. Whatever. And, honestly, like, it feels like a... It feels like a more indie style book because it doesn't really. Oh feel yeah, like I can see that. Yeah, it's a little. It feels like a little more indie than a, than a, than a normal uh, DC title. DC title, yeah. And I like seeing Superman come in and fix things in this story. It's, right. It's all kind of more real world. That's a good point. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to another vigilante. Ha ha ha! No. Yeah, kind of. The Fool Killer, from Marvel Comics. This is also another legacy... Well, he's not really a legacy character, I guess. Because uh, he's been around for a while. Yeah, he's been around for a while, but there was other people who took the, the mantle. So I guess the character that we're following here was the original Fool Killer, and then there was another Fool Killer in the middle. And then There was a was, Max series, and yeah, I guess it was a, I don't remember if it was a different guy or not. As I don't remember that series very well, I remember it happening, and I remember reading part of it, but I don't remember... You know, mostly, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I I learned, I learned most of that from this issue, oh. that there was that there was a second Fool Killer. Because honestly, I've I've never followed Fool Killer until he showed up in in Deadpool. Right. And then you know I I knew of him obviously because he's there. You know he's like Wild Dog. I don't really know a whole lot about him, but he's there. Right. <laughs> you know. Um. But yeah. Anyhow, let, let's uh, let's take a look here. Uh, we have the writer who is Max Bims Beams Beams. I'm gonna go Beams B E M I S. Sure. I'm gonna beam, go Beams, and then the artist is Delbaro Talajika Talajika. I think that's close. Right. It's as close as I'm going to get, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm sorry if I if I butchered it. Your work is is pretty good. I like it. But a lot of this book is is introspective. And so one of the things he's talking about is how his life has changed so right. much that he's gone from one extreme to another. So he's talking about you know like, oh I used to be the guy with the you know, the broken down jeans and the uh, and the wife beard beater and that that was what my day was and now i'm carrying a man purse you know and i would have never imagined that that was the life i was going to have is is to you know be now wearing designer shirts and and shoes and carrying around a man bag um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny way to describe his look but yeah i guess, yeah, I guess it is that's what it is and basically like what, what we've come into his life is that he once was 
the vigilante. He was once he was once a man who killed people he felt of, were foolish. Kind of his uh, own selection. Yeah, kind of, well, kind of at a whim, you know. Um, like the the well, there may have been three fool killers because he talks about another guy who was inspired by a poem. The poem was uh, enough of an inspiration to actually have a book, and then this guy based the fool killer persona on that book. But basically, the idea was that people who betrayed each other and you know, were, were fools, they, they deserved this death. And that was what he kind of followed along with. So people that he felt were foolish, that had ruined themselves, deserved to die. Right. Um, but he's he's kind of moved past that, and he kind of is... You know, he kind of analyzes himself in, like, the idea that, well, that was kind of a very foolish thing for me to be doing. But now he has got his stuff together, and he's got a, you know, nice house, and he's got a girlfriend, and he's moving forward with his life. And he's now a psychologist who is helping others. Right. And the guy that he's got to help is this punk kid who's got blood smeared all over his face that wants to call himself the Young Red Skull. Yeah, he's a confused individual. And so, as we go through the psychoanalyzation... Analyzation? The psycho analyzation, analyzation? Analyzation, there yes, you go. of this young Red Skull... With a bowl cut? We, we learn more and more about both the Fool Killer and kind of what his new mission is. And a lot of what we learn is that the Fool Killer, you know, he started off with this... This idea, this whole notion that he was going to make the world better, but eventually that got lost. And he just went from being a man who killed people because he thought they were fools. Let's see, he says it best himself. I killed people because I considered them to be fools. And then things changed, and I was killing people for money because I was poor. <laughs> so, you know, his, his life kind of changed around. His goals kind of changed around. His his whole motivation changed around, and so his whole time with Deadpool was like that. And he kind of, he winds up being on a job that he realized, like, there was no reason for me to even be here and turn himself into S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's kind of what has landed him in this position now, where he's trying to reform... Other, other would-be criminals? Other, other criminals or would-be criminals. Right. Now, there is some shady stuff going on with his connection to S.H.I.E.L.D., that we know of, right? But he doesn't as as a character in the book. The he's un, he's unaware of yeah. what we've seen as the audience. And it's you know it's kind of nice to have this character who is not you know he he's kind of a loser, but the way that we read the story, he isn't, and he and he presents himself really well. And I actually think that's kind of cool because a lot of the characters that were in Mercs for for money were. They were bottom of the barrel. And Fool Killer, I thought, was pretty much there. And this book actually kind of makes him seem like, oh, he's more well-rounded than I ever thought he was. Right. And he's, he's kind of a more complete character than I thought he was. Um, but as we go, we kind of find out that the reason for what he's doing, his, his analysis, is not necessarily just for the well-being of the patient. It's also a, kind of an evaluation thing for S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. And we also find out that, um, you know, he, he's not exactly the... If, if if things go really south and you've done something wrong, 
he's not exactly the um, the psychoanalyst or the the shrink that you call just to. Uh, how am I trying to put it? It's, it's like um, it's like what about Bob? You know, he's the he's the kind of analyst that you don't want to call when you have a really really bad problem because he'll probably solve it for you. Right. Which is what we kind of see at the end of this book, as we see that the young Red Skull has gotten himself way, way over, over his head. head. Yeah. And he calls, you know, our guy, the fool killer, here to, to kind of, like, help him out. Like, oh, I had my moment of weakness, and I relapsed, and I did something really stupid. And when he gets there, like, he's going to sort this out. Regardless of whether it's good for you or not. Yeah, and he's not going to be sorting it out with, you know, a, a comfy chair. No. He's going to sort it out... In in a way that probably is not going to be good for you, right? And we also find out that his man bag, his man bag has uh, has some pretty good stuff in it. His, his man purse comes with 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 other accoutrements. Yeah, it carries more than his lunch. Yeah. So, um, to tell you the truth, Fool Killer once again was another one. I kind of, I, I honestly was questioning, like, come on, Marvel, right? Yeah. And I probably should know better. You know, most of the time when DC or Marvel have released a book and I'm like, why? Why did you guys do this? There's something there that's really good. But I, I don't know, maybe because my expectations were so kind of down for Fool Killer. Right. I was actually really pleasantly surprised with how good a, of a story it is. Like how great of a, um, how great the writing is for it, how unique the character is, and I think how well done the book works together. Like, I mean, this artist probably is not one that I would want to have on every book, but it works great for this story. So, right. like, everything, I think, worked together really well. Um, so, I don't know. I, 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 I give it a three, three and a half, I think. I okay. actually, I really enjoyed it. it. It made me care about Fool Killer enough that I want to go and do some research and really know everything, you know, right, about, about sure. the stuff that he talks about in this book. But it's done so well that if you've never read a Fool Killer book, if you've never even read the Mercs for Money books, right, you could come to this book and enjoy it just as well. Right. And honestly, I, I think I think you will. It's written funny with enough serious stuff to kind of keep you going. Right. So Well, the style of pitch for it, the, the, in the write-ups that were in the previous catalog... Sold it really well, I think. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. Like the, the, I was still worried about it. <laughs> no, it's understandable. I mean, like you said, it's, it's Fool Killer. He's a character coming back from, like, mid-late 90s being the last real appearance in books. I mean, I don't remember when that series ended, but it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. So, as far as characters are concerned, he's one that we haven't seen in a while. I mean, but so far, the books they've done out of the Mercs for Money have been pretty good. Solo's really good. Uh, this one's really good. I guess we'll see where the other couple go. So, um, score-wise, yeah, I, I give it a three. I mean, the, the art fits really good for what it is. It has... So, like, the way Hawkeye worked, the previous... Well, I guess the first run of Hawkeye, with where he's dealing with the tracksuit mafia. Yeah. The way that art fit with the story, this fits with the story. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So, the tone to it, the coloring to it, fits for what it is. And that sounds weird to say, I guess, because you think all of them are supposed to do that, but there's a lot of books that just don't. So yeah. I de definitely dig that. Um, like I said, I think it's an interesting concept. 
So, I guess we'll see where it goes, but the shady stuff on the other side is where things are going to get really interesting. I mean, the shot on the last page is crazy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's awesome. It just looks great. I, I can't imagine this not being a miniseries, but I don't think it's said that it I, is. I don't, think it, I don't think either of those batch of things are capped. I can't remember that. Yeah. But, I mean, if they manage to work with this team and get past this first couple arcs, and it's and it stays the same tone, I don't know, I think it run for a while, man. I mean, it's interesting. And, and honestly, they, they mention it in the book, they're like, oh yeah, Fool Killer, Discount, Punisher. They do enough to bring you to the table to make it be better than that. So don't right. just write it off and go like, oh yeah, there's a purple Punisher, like he's... He's more than that, and he's a pretty fun character so far in his own book. Right. Um, all right. Well, that's enough fool killing, I guess. <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, Superman number 10. This is the only one that's not just number one. Yes. Yeah, this time. <laughs> what a weird what a weird correlation there. Yeah, it was actually not purposeful. But... No, not at all, actually. They kind of random select, they just landed that way. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, this is uh, Superman number 10 during uh, DC Rebirth. Uh, we have art by Mr. Pat Gleason, who's fan-freaking-tastic. We've talked about him on the show plenty, so if you're a listener of the show, then I'm sure you are aware of that name. Um, Green Lantern artist, Batman Robin artist, um, now Superman artist. Uh, this is Pat Gleason doing the art, Mick Gray doing the inking, who's fantastic as well. Uh, Peter Dean Peter J. Tomasi writing the story. Mm. Um, the way I understand it, this one is Peter and Pat, which is awesome, just because it's both of them. And Pat also wrote the first half of Robinson of Batman, so what we have in this book is close to both of them, the way they've worked on things in the last year. Um, anyway, so the, the cover's fantastic. It, this is one of those teams that just is amazing together. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong, they're fantastic on their own. Right. But I think I, I think they really get each other because you can just feel the heart in what they do. Right. No, that's definitely true. Well, I mean, the guys, Batman Robin for what? Five, close to five years. Yeah. And before that, Green Lantern Corps. So, I mean, Tomasi's working on a bunch of other stuff too. I mean, he did some of the Superman, Wonder Woman stuff. But as far as like a group's concerned, these guys have been working together for quite a while. Yeah. And they're all actually really awesome guys. I mean, Mick's great. Like, the dude's super funny and really cool to talk to. Pat's awesome. So, you know, it's not... They're, they're really cool guys in general. Um, anyhow, uh, so on to the story. <laughs> so we start out in school uh, with Jonathan, or John, uh, who's our would-be superboy. And uh, he's he's in there talking to uh, this little blonde girl. The two of them are talking about how she's really happy he helped her with her science, and he really loves the eggnog she brings because it's getting to be Christmas holiday, and that's where this is taking place timeline wise. And uh, as the two of them are walking through the halls, of course, there's a boy guy who shows up for a second and makes fun of the blonde girl's hair, and basically makes fun of the two of them being a couple. And John's like, "Oh no, no, we're just friends, you know, whatever." And that moves on from the two of them, two of them wandering to the next class. Where Jonathan in the hallway runs into another girl that, if uh, you're familiar with Batman and Robin or Robin, son of Batman, you should know. Um, it's nobody. Well, nobody's daughter. Also, nobody. 
And he he runs into her and knocks her down, like full on knocks her down. And it it's crazy that it's her there because we know who she is. John has no idea. And he's like, um, are you going to school here? She's like, oh no no, I'm here doing a, a errand for my brother. And plays it off, and away she wanders. And as soon as she walks off, we start seeing that she's talking a communication device to somebody else. And the communication person, the person talking to her, is like, "Report, report now on the superhero, or on the superboy." That's what he calls him, on the superboy. And uh, as long as you've looked at the cover, then you know who she's talking to, because it's Damien. I mean, the two of them were teamed up all through Batman and Robin. Ah. <sighs> Anyway, so Damien makes the uh, conversation end abruptly. He's like, keep your eyes on him. And now we cut out to um, the two of the super, or Jonathan and, uh, God, what's the girl's name? I don't remember what her name is. I wish I did. Anyway, the two of them going home. So they're both riding their bikes home. And he, t- he tells her, oh, we should take the shortcut through Dead Man's Swamp. And she's like, no, no, I've been t- my dad tells me he's not safe in there. Well, he's Superboy, so he, he's not phased by it. He's like, oh, come on, don't be a chicken. And she's like, uh, no, no, I need to get home. I, I don't want to get in trouble. Grand, Grandma's going to wonder why I am. And so she heads home, and John's parks his bike, gets off it, takes off his uh, shirt, and underneath is a Superboy uniform, and he's going to go into the swamp, adventure style. And it's really kind of funny, because he's wandering through the swamp, and he's, as he's wandering through there... He's like, ooh, it's really cold. And you start seeing these animals and all the eyes and they're making noise and stuff. And so he sort of starts, not like freaking out, freaking out, but he climbs up into a tree and tells this owl that's in the tree he wants to share his branch so he can get a better look because he's decided he's going to look for a Christmas tree because Dad told him they'd go look for Christmas trees that weekend. And he figured, well, maybe I can find one in the swamp, which it sounds like a foolish idea, but he's a kid, so trees grow wherever. That's what I'm saying. It does sound foolish, but the trees grow wherever. Anyway, well, he winds up falling out of the tree. Like, the limb breaks and he falls. And at this point, he doesn't have full use of his powers, and he's just growing into them. So it's not like he has control like Superman does. And as far as flight, I feel like we've seen him fly once, maybe twice, and it wasn't something he was in control of. So he falls like a rock. And uh, as he's falling, he winds up grabbing a hold of something to catch himself, and it's a snake, and that freaks him out. And so from there, he winds up accidentally starting his heat vision and scorching the hell of the ground. And then runs into a giant, what looks to me like a zombie freaking moose. Now, you know it's not really a zombie moose, because that doesn't make sense. But it's terrifying looking the way it's depicted. Um, so the fire starts, and then from there, um, all of a sudden out of nowhere, somebody grabs him by the cape and pulls him up out of the middle of the fire. And then we hear the, per- the person pulling him up telling him that they were going to put out the fire with their concussive, concussive wave. And when we finally get to reveal who it is, we see that it is Goliath and nobody. And they've got a hold of Superboy. And uh, she's like, oh, thanks a lot. You made me blow my cover. I'm going to get in so much trouble. This is the second time you made me blow my cover. And so it's really kind of funny, because Jonathan doesn't have any idea what to think of any of this. And here's this giant, like, monster bat thing. And uh, as they're sort of talking for a second, he has an allergic reaction to the man-bat and sneezes. Freezing the upper half of Goliath and making them all fall out of the sky. Because at this point, the only reason they're flying is because of Goliath. And uh, as he drops like a rock and nobody falls... Um, 
both of them freaking out. Goliath breaks free of the ice, and he winds up catching both of them and pillowing their fall. Uh, but from there, John passes out, or blacks out. And uh, when he wakes up, he is strapped to a table um, with a bunch of electrodes on him, uh, reading his vital signs, and here's Damien in his face. Super pissed. Because <laughs> Damien's taken it upon himself to watch John while his dad's not around, while he's out doing Justice League things. And Damien's super pissed because it's like, John's just been given free reign to do whatever, and he feels like no one's watching him, so now it's Damien's job to watch him. Like, somehow that makes sense. It's crazy kids being crazy is what it is. Kind of awesome. Because John feels bad that this stuff's happening. He felt bad that he froze Goliath. He felt bad that he had an accident earlier on in the series with a household pet. So it it's not like the things that he can control. Um, but he's, he's there very short-lived until Batman shows up and is like, what are you doing? You need to get him off the table. You need to knock it the hell off. And Damien's like, no, no, you don't understand. He's like, you know, you need to get him off the table now. Before, and then all of a sudden, Superman smashes in. Eyes blazing red. Where's my son? What have you done to him? Have you hurt him? Like, super pissed guy. And it, it starts out to be very, like, Batman vs. Superman-y. Um, which, John is telling his dad, Oh, no, no, I'm fine, Dad. It's, it's fine. But Superman's not having any of it. So it gets very to, like... Almost down to blows, and Batman's got out his battering, it's got kryptonite all laced inside of it, and John's sort of in the middle trying to stop him, and as Superman's like, how dare you, how dare you, I know what I'm doing, and Batman being like, hey, the kids are crazy, and he's like, you need to get Damien in check. Well, John, again, causes the ice breath to happen, and Superman sort of chills out because it's out of nowhere, and he's like, oh, okay, well... I see that I'm missing steps in your life, Damien. Or not Damien, John. Because I'm out doing things, so I'm missing your first, and I'm missing things happening. So him and Batman kind of have this whole thing for a second, where they both kind of admit to being not the best parents to be around, because they both miss things in their kids' lives. And Batman compares the two things to being the same, and Damien's like, yeah, mine was a lot like that, but with more blood, not ice. Which is, because he was freaking League of Assassins, man. Killing people. It's way worse. Way, way worse. Anyway, so about that time, Superman starts asking who the, who the ghost in the shadows is. Because, uh, well, nobody's there, and she cloaked herself as soon as Batman showed up in order to try to get out of the uh, crossfires of the situation. Um, and it seems like she sort of flirts with John a little bit, which definitely pisses Damien off, like, to no end. And Batman's like, well, maybe we should go do some more scanning on... Uh, we need to do some more, more uh, scanning on John to see how his molecular structure is working and stuff. And Superman's like, I did that at the Fortress of Solitude. He's like, yeah, but maybe human diagnosis can be different because he's part human too. So they go back to the Batcave, and of course the tests come back that things are still changing and the DNA is still forming and new things are still happening, which, I mean, is not any different than a kid growing up except because he's got Kryptonian DNA. It's very different on our planet. Um, either way... Uh, they stop the, the, the test or whatever, and Alfred brings him <laughs> brings him a soda, and he's like, hopefully my bedside manner is better than Damien's. And it's like Pennyworth poking fun at Damien, which is pretty funny. Um, but he tells John or tells Damien to take John to see, show him your pets, Damien. It's like kid stuff. So Pennyworth basically tells 
Damien, yeah, go show him your pets. So we get to see Bat Cow, we get to see uh, Alfred the Cat, and like Damien's explaining them, he's like, yeah, that's, that's Bat Cow. I saved him from a slaughterhouse. And he talks about uh, the dog, um, uh, Titus, being a present, and that he went to Apocalypse with my dad whenever I was, my body was by course being held by Darkseid. And then they bring me back to life. And he's like, and Alfred the cat, or Pennyworth the cat, no, Alfred, Alfred the cat, he's my cat. Like, a super simple answer for the cat, which is hilarious. It's really awesome. It's a good-natured, like, it's just funny. Anyway, well, John John and him are both just basically talking crap. And John's like, you know, sometimes you bring the animals out of the farm so you show how to actually take care of them so they don't have to live in a cave. And he makes a smart remark about how John melted the family cat. Which gets out, which gets Damien punched in the stomach. Kind of hilarious. From there, um, it turns into a little brawl. Not a big one, but a little one. And, of course, that leads the fathers to decide what to do with them. And that's going to bring our cliffhanger for the next book. Dun, dun, dun. What do you do with two kids that can't be controlled? That's a question for parents, I guess? I don't know. I think this book's awesome because how fun it was. Uh, I give it four and a half because it's just fun. It's like, it's silly, yeah, and I'll give you some of the circumstances or whatever, but it's a fun, it was a fun read. I, I thought it was good. I love the art. I, I like this whole team, so I guess if I didn't know them when I read it different, I don't know. I mean, maybe I would. But these, I mean, they're dudes that we know, so it's like, it's not quite the same as grading another book, I guess. But I thought it was fantastic. I also loved the uh, Damien son of, or the Robin son of Batman stuff, or the Batman Robin stuff. So like anything that these guys do with Damien so far has been fantastic. And all the stuff they're doing with John and Superman is really cool. So if you're a person that's like, I can't read Superman because he's just too Superman, this particular series of Superman very different than everything else because we're dealing with a Superman that's that's a father who's has a son. And it's having to make other choices because of that. So it's very different than other stuff. And you can still say it was always goody too shooey. Well, yeah, he is a little bit, but it's because he's Superman. And all the other problems and things he has to deal with with raising a son that's getting the same kind of powers, it's like, it's just a really cool place to be because we don't get that. And there's some other espionage stuff happening in there with the wife too, with Lois. So there's, there's interesting stuff happening other than that, but it's a very different dynamic that we have never had with Superman before, I think. So, I say try it. Jerks. <laughs> um, four and a half. Rob, score, go. Um, I'd give it four. I actually really enjoyed the series. I've liked this run a lot. Um, once again, you know, I mean, it, it, with Superman, it is not, it's not about the powers. You know, I mean, yeah, Superman has all the powers. There's a reason that he's continued to be written this long, and it's it's not because of the powers. It's because of having these other parts of the story. It's things that those powers don't matter about. Right. And honestly, this run has been great because we are dealing with his son, and it's it plays out really well, and I like them bringing these two kids together. I mean, I, I, we're going to have soon the Super Sons. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. This book. should be great. And, and I'm sure if, if they can capture what they've done in this book with that series, that series is going to be fantastic. So, yeah, no doubt. I, and even if you're like, oh, I don't like kid characters, like, these guys are, they're different. So Oh, yeah. 
Da- Damien's not your normal kid character, and neither is John. No. Like, the way they're written, they're, they're not. They're not your normal... You're like, I can't take the Teen Titans, or I can't take the Titans. This isn't the same thing. Like, it's very different. Really cool, but very different. Yeah. I've been, I've been very impressed with the Superman series so far, and so... If you if you hate Superman, start reading the series, because you're going to change your mind. Right. Honestly. Yeah, the way it works is very different than what most books did, and... If you just hate him because of the sake of hating him, well, half the story's not about him. Yeah. So I, th- I think you'll <laughs> I think you'll think differently. Right. I I agree with that. Um well rather brings us to the end of books. Yeah. I know last episode I said, Oh, we're gonna get our interviews lined out. Well, I didn't, obviously, because I didn't say anything about it at the beginning, so <laughs> hey, take that. I guess me. It's almost like painful to myself inside, Rob. Because mm. I know there's at least one or two good ones. I don't know what's going on. Clearly, I have no clue what's happening. Um, but, uh, let's so wrap up for things. Rob, what I learned today? No, what'd you learn, Rob? I got that reversed. Rob, what'd you learn yeah. today? That is, a, that is a good question. I learned that a man bag can actually carry more than just your lunch. And, and evidently, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a step up from the fanny bag. <laughs> so you learned a man purse... Is uh, less than just for carrying lunch. Yeah. Or more than just for carrying more lunch. More than just carrying lunch. All right. All right. And it's a step up from a fanny pack. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> that's a weird thing to learn. Uh, all right, Rob, what did I learn today? I mean, Alfred the cat is just Damien's cat. <laughs> that's very true, which is fantastic. And the answer is so funny. And I, He's my cat. Uh, okay. And then that's it. And pointing out barbecuing other people's animals or your own animals is, is not a good idea. It's, it's, it's never going to go over. It's not how you make well, friends. No. Yeah, no, not at all. It's a very true thing. Don't make fun of people's pets dying. doesn't make friends. No. Yeah, not at all. Um, so let's do some books to watch, Rob. You got some books to watch? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I can say a couple. I mean, we got Commandy. Uh, the, it's called Commandy Challenge is what the title for the book is. Uh, it's going to be a 12-issue miniseries, and we're getting a bunch of different artists and different writers on it. So, like, every issue is going to have a different group of guys working on it, hmm. but they're all, like, top-tier guys. I mean, there's a couple in there that my personal tastes don't fit, but other people love them. So, it should be pretty interesting just because of what they're doing, and it's kind of be, like, I want to say sort of serial serialized, if you know how the old serial books worked. It'll be kind of like that. So I think that'll be really cool just because of what it is. And we haven't had a commandy book in a very long time. Because I don't think we have. No. So he showed up in the Wednesday comics a little bit, but that was it. I don't remember anything else between A and B. So that stuff should be cool. It's been a while. Right. Uh, Mother Panic drops next week, so keep your eyes open because I think that's going to be awesome. It's another book from Young Animal, which so far I've been pleased with most of what I've read from him. Um, I still think Doom Patrol is a little weird. But I have faith that it'll I, I think circle issue around. Two, issue two got better for me. Yeah, it's a little, it, well, it feels a little more cohesive. So I think as we get more of the characters together, that'll keep happening. I mean, yeah, that, I think it, I think it'll continue to progress forward. So the first book was disjointed, but I think it was on purpose. Hmm. So we did Cave Carson last week, and I think it was great. Or last episode. Was that two weeks ago, two weeks ago, one week ago? Something like that. Time travel, I don't know. My favorite. 
Uh, on the DC side, I'm, I'm really excited for Teen Titans to continue because they just barely began this new run with Damien once again, so that's going to be great. Uh, Super Sons, when they, when they decide that's going to come out, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, honestly, now, Vigilante and Fool Killer... I, I really think you need to stick with those because they're they're very well done. Um, the unworthy Thor is great. Um, we also have what the infamous Iron Man, which is uh, Doctor Doom. Yes, so I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Champions has been really good. Um, yeah, Champions the second issue is great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like it a lot. Um, Rebirth has been. You're talking okay. Reborn. Reborn, yeah. Reborn has been, has been mm-hmm. interesting. It's a new series that just started with uh, Kapalua doing the artwork. Right. So, um, Birthright is still fantastic. I love that series. So. And Seven to Eternity, if you haven't got to check that thing out. It's going to the third print for issue one, so... Wow, okay. Yeah, it's, issue two is already on second print. Yeah, it's it's good. Like We reviewed that one last show, too, actually. Yeah. Now I think about it. Um, we're going to have AD, After Death, start from uh, Image, another Image book. Uh, After Death is uh, Scott Snyder and uh, uh, Jeff Lemire. Huh. It's a three-part miniseries, but those are two fantastic like talents. It is Jeff Lemire doing the art, so depending on whether you like Underwater Welder and Sweet Tooth or not. Art, not my favorite, but at the same time, the dude does good stuff. And Trinity, or not Trinity, Trillium, was I liked it just fine. So yeah. I'm interested to see that thing. But it, it's a three-part, it's a it's a bigger book, too. They're like, uh, I want to say they're they're, they're 80-page books, I think. Huh. So, yeah, they're, the content, there's only three issues, but they're all big issues. So that thing should be cool. Um, interested for that, um, just in general. I'm going to say, I think there was a... Gosh, there was another one that was coming out from Image. I can't remember what it was called. Um, well, they're going to do a Cyber Force again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I'm excited for, but, you know, really get on your local provider to see if they're if they're going to get it, because Cyber Force has not had a lot of love. And as much as I like it, and as much as I think a lot of 90s Image fans really do want Cyber Force to do well, you know, you you got to help us out and come to come to the store and really let us know, you know? And I think that's across the board at any comic retailer. Because, I mean, Cyberforce, it, it has its fans, but it doesn't have as many fans. <laughs> well, the, the last run, I think that the way it played out, like the way they got it started, it started really, really hot, and part of that was because of how they were doing the books. They released the first three books for like a quarter a book. Mm-hmm. So, like... You can't beat that, but as soon as it goes to the regular prices, all of a sudden a bunch of people fell off. And I don't know if it's just the price or if it was the reading or what exactly it was, because the art was great. And Cyberforce are interesting characters, so I guess we'll see how that goes. You know, they're 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 one of the earlier teams from Image, also, so I don't know. Yeah. I definitely dug them. Uh, there's a new one coming out from AfterShock that's going to be uh, Phil Hester writing, which I dig Phil Hester. Uh, we were actually talking about him last week. He's the guy doing the art for Shipwreck. Uh, he's writing one frack for uh, Aftershock called Blood Blister. And it's... I'm not entirely sure of the concept, but the way I understand it is we've got a character who basically believes that sin's a joke and the morality is like a crutch. And now we're going to deal with uh, the hidden world he winds up dealing with. And 
the, the, the couple art pages that are out for it look really cool. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's Tony Harris doing the art, if I remember right. Um, he's not a name I know, but the pictures I've seen from the book look cool. So I, I'm kind of interested, I'm interested in that simply because I like Phil Hester. So, there's that, I guess. But the couple art shots they showed were pretty cool. Um, so, I don't know, I think that one might be interesting to check out. Aftershock's been putting out some top-tier stuff. Some of it, not my taste. I mean, insects, not my taste. But there's a few people in the store that like it. I mean, it's Marguerite Bennett, and she's not a bad writer, so... Yeah. It is a really crazy concept, which... I don't know, we talked about that before. Bug people laying eggs in people, it's just crazy. So I think that's, uh... Yeah, it's not my not my cup of tea. Um, we're going to have a Justice League Power Rangers crossover that happens. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, that should be pretty interesting. Uh, on top of that, we're having Justice League Suicide War, or Suicide Squad. Justice League versus Suicide Squad um, as an event. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be pretty cool. Um, I think next week, the Batman Turtles on the IDW side starts. Okay. So that should be, I don't know, I think that would be cool too. I guess I just like crossovers right now. I think that's, because the majority of things I'm like, ooh, yay, are crossovers. So I took Ross's position on crossovers. Dang it, Ross. Thanks a whole lot. Jerk. That's what I get. The Batman Turtles does look really good. It does. It looks Um, cool. It looks like they're going to be focusing on the animated Batman. It's the animated style. So I guess we'll see when it comes out, whether it's a direct sequel or not. But yeah, it's going to be... More animated Batman look mixed with the Turtles' current animation look. So not like the 80s, but the current series from Nickelodeon. Um, another one that's going to... That, oh, by the way, that, that uh, Power Rangers Justice League is a six-part. Oh, okay. Because um, I didn't say that earlier, and I meant to. Uh, there's another one coming out that's going to be uh, another six-part miniseries from DC as well. That's uh, the Odyssey of the Amazons. And that thing looks freaking awesome. And the way I understand it, it's supposed to be... Like, the stories Diana would hear when she was a kid. So, like, the legendary Amazons that we deal with. And the title tells me Odyssey, so I assume it's going to have something to do with, like, that the old Iliad Odyssey stories. Yeah, so, that's possible, yeah. Which I think could be really cool. So, it's a miniseries, too, and the only thing I've seen art-wise is a cover, so... Who knows if it's going to be good that way or not, but it's a cool concept. So... I think that'll be awesome. Anyway, um, I think that's enough books, Rob. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. <laughs> so, uh, unless you got something else. Oh, uh, there is. There's a, a mystery s- Star Wars book. The, the Star Wars oh, book with yeah, Dr. Yeah. Astra. Yes. Who, who if, you, if you didn't put that together, is the girl that was introduced in... Issue 3 of Vader. Yes. Dr. Afra. With the crazy... Uh, Crazy droids. Right. Really the cool assassin things. droids, C-3PO. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, if, you, if you're not sure where to start a Star, Star Wars, She's Dr. Astor. is a very new character, new and getting her own series starting in December. Yeah. Uh, so, she'll be at the end of the Vader series. Um, I want to say to move forward and do this series. Because uh, the same, it's, it's uh, uh, same writer. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Uh... All I can think of was Wood. No, no, Wood was doing the the Dark Horse series that ended. Yeah. Uh, Karen Gillan, gosh. He's so same writer. Um, so I think that thing will be awesome. And Vader's been really cool. I've heard a couple people felt disappointed in the number twenty-five. I didn't, but 
I can see what they were saying. I think they expected something bigger, but I thought it was fine. So Dr. Aver having a series, I think it'll be cool. I mean, Karen, he's a good writer. Like, he's, yeah, he's awesome. Was there anything else now, Rob? One more time? I'm sure there is, but I, I can't think of it, so... I'm going to show you there is. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know. Alright, Tiki? Tiki! 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 Taco Bell. Tiki! Are they still open? Scissors. Not gonna do it. Oh, man. Oh, by the way, Black Science also. 70 Attorney Black Science and Deadly Class. Get up, get up, folks. Sorry. Hey.